0: Hey mamas, it's Megan, your host here at the VBAC link. I am so excited to get into our amazing episode today. But before we do, I wanted to do a quick Q&A on my number one most asked question, which is how do I prepare for a VBAC? I know it's a lot to unpack, but here are some of the top answers for you. Find a VBAC supportive provider and make sure you are getting the right nutrition. This includes getting optimal amounts of protein, vitamins and minerals to support a healthy VBAC pregnancy. I personally recommend Needed's prenatals to all of my clients and to this amazing community of ours. Head to thisisneeded.com to get 20% off with code VBAC20. That is thisisneeded.com, code VBAC20. Hello, hello. It is Megan with another amazing story on the VBAC Link podcast. Thank you so much for listening with us, you guys. I love this community. I know I talk about it. I know it's weird that I don't even know you, but I want you to know that I love you. I love you so much, and I'm so glad that you are here with us today. We have our guest today from, uh, let's see, what, Virginia? I think she's Virginia. Virginia. I think that's Mm -hmm. where my mind is saying. Um, And this is Rebecca. So welcome, Rebecca. Thank you. Thank you
1: for having me. I'm really excited.
0: Absolutely. Me too. And her story, you guys, today is a repeat cesarean story. So if you didn't know on the VBAC link, we do share repeat cesarean stories because they are important to share as well. And um, so I'm excited for you to share more about your story. And we're going to talk a little bit about swelling of the cervix in the end of this episode, because this is something that we see and is a little bit part of your story. So before we dive into the story and all of the things, we of course want to share review of the week. And this review is from Shotzi3. And it says, amazing is not a strong enough word. So that is really awesome. I love that. It says, I cannot say enough good things about the Back link. Listening to this podcast not only saved my mental health, but gave me the knowledge and confidence to take control of my second pregnancy. After my home birth turned into a hospital transfer and cesarean with my first child, I felt broken. When I unexpectedly found out that I was pregnant just seven months postpartum, I felt scared and lost. I was afraid of failing again, and doubted my body's ability to birth naturally, but I knew I absolutely could not have another cesarean. So I started obsessively reaching, researching VBAC. That's when I found the VBAC link, and I've been binging, binging episodes ever since. Listening to these stories has been incredible. Each episode is giving is like giving a shot of confidence into the arm. Oh, I love that! A shot of confidence into the arm. We're giving you guys a little vaccine of confidence. Says both my midwives and doulas have commented on how far my mental prep has come. And I know it's all thanks to the VBAC link. Julie and Megan, I have given, have given me lots of tools and resources to control my birth. I love that. Control your birth. I am now looking forward to welcoming my second child via HBAC in just five short weeks. I want to shout it from the rooftop. Everyone should listen to the VBAC link in all caps, she puts. And this was a little while ago, this review. So C 3 if you are still listening with us, which we hope you are, email us. Let us know how your birth went.
2: You are tuned into the VBAC link podcast with Megan Heaton, who is a longtime doula and VBAC mom herself, here to help you get inspired for birth after having had a C-section. Along with this podcast, the VBAC link offers blogs, resources, and a comprehensive VBAC course for both parents preparing for birth and doulas wanting to take their VBAC education to the next level. Be sure to follow Megan and her team on all social media platforms for even more. Although these podcast episodes are VBAC specific, it is encouraged for all expectant moms to listen and educate themselves on how to avoid a C-section from the get-go. The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform it is not meant to replace advice from any other qualified medical professional here is your host megan
0: okay cute rebecca thank you so (laughs) much for being here with us today yeah thanks
1: for having me i'm really excited to share so
0: absolutely well i'd love to turn the time over to you
1: All right. Well, I guess I'll start with just a little recap of my daughter's birth, who was my first C-section. So um, my daughter was born in January of 2021. So we got pregnant with her during like kind of the height of COVID. And so that pregnancy went really smoothly other than it was COVID time. So of course, my husband couldn't come to any of the appointments or anything like that. I didn't really do much prep with her because I wasn't going to go to a birth class and like there wasn't a lot of resources available. All I really did was like watch some YouTube videos and I kind of knew I wanted to try to have a natural birth, but I didn't prepare that much for it. Really. I read like Ina May Gaskin's Guide to Childbirth and stuff, but I didn't do too much preparation. And so she went to 41 weeks with no no complications and I didn't want to be induced. So my OB was like, we'll go to 41 weeks and then we'll bring you in for like an NST and an ultrasound. So we went in on January 10th for her NST and she passed that with flying colors and I had asked them if they would give me a membrane sweep before they would induce me and they said they could try that and so they were going to come in and give me the membrane sweep but Luckily, one of the doctors there was like, well, let's do her ultrasound first just to make sure everything's fine. Because, you know, what which just makes sense before going down there and doing the membrane sweep. So they did the ultrasound and she was like, did you know your baby is breech? And I was like, no, I did not. Like no one (laughs) knew me. (laughs) Yeah. Like every time that the OBs would. Very quickly, I will say, like, very quickly, palpate me. They'd be like, Yep, feels like she's head down, like everything's good. So she was like, Yeah, she's breached. So we're going to go ahead and schedule a C section for today at four o'clock. It was around like 11 o'clock or something when this happened. So I was like, So I just immediately started crying because I did not want a C section. That wasn't what I was planning for at all. And She was like, well, we don't do like the EVCs here. Is that what it's called? EVC? Mm -hmm. Am I saying it right? Yeah. She was like, we don't do that here. And like your amniotic fluid's kind of low. And she was like, so yeah, this is your option.
0: I wonder why Um, they don't do it there.
1: I don't know. She just said that they don't offer that service. And I guess I didn't really know like to ask for a second opinion or to Mm -hmm. see what other I just just like, well, she's telling me this is my only option. So, you know, we consented to the C-section, which was really disappointing. And my husband had to go home and like get a hospital bag ready because we didn't bring it with us or anything. We were like, oh, well, we'll have time to go back if they're going to induce me or I don't know. We just weren't prepared. Uh, so, anyways, around 4 o'clock, she was born via C-section, and it was uncomplicated. It was uncomplicated. She did well. She did have some hip dysplasia because she was Frank Breach, and they think she was probably Frank Breach for a long time. Um, mm-hmm. So, her, like, hips, like, the, the bones Needed weren't in the socket, like, at all. But other than that, she was completely healthy and, um, but yeah, I remember that night kind of laying in bed with her nursing and my husband was asleep and I just was like quietly sobbing because I was just like, I felt like everything that I was looking forward to kind of got ripped away from me and I didn't really have a choice in the matter. And so I never got to experience one single contraction or any of that with her. I didn't even really have Braxton Hicks with her. And it it almost felt like there was no closure to the pregnancy. It Mm. felt like I should still be pregnant. And I definitely, yeah, that was a struggle. So, you know, that was a struggle for a while afterwards, kind of trying to find closure of that whole experience. Because it was like, okay, you're pregnant and now you're not pregnant. And there was like no transition so that was her story actually to be honest with you shortly after her birth i was kind of like well if we get pregnant again i think i'm just gonna do a c-section because i kind of know what to expect and like Mm -hmm. my body's already been through it and you know i think i'm just gonna do a c-section again um so that was kind of what i was thinking but as i like went on throughout my postpartum time when i got my period back i noticed throughout the year that I had some just like weird issues. Like I was spotting a lot all throughout the month and just different things were happening that I was like, this doesn't seem quite right. And when I went to the OB about it, they're like, oh, it's fine. Like your body's probably just like getting back into the swing of things, but it would be like, okay, well, you know, I've been postpartum for a while now. Like this was like two years down the line. Like, I think that there's probably something going on that needs investigating. And they were kind of like, no, it's fine. It's fine. So I ended up um, finding a podcast actually called Fertility Fridays. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's really awesome. And it just teaches it. women about their bodies, like how to like track your cycle and like what your cycle means and like how to know if you're actually f- fertile at that time, because that's another thing. It took us a year to get pregnant with Imogene. So I was also afraid, like, well, it took us a long time last time, like maybe something was wrong. Um, So I just got really into like body awareness and like women owning their bodies and the different things, the different choices that we make. And That our bodies have all these natural processes that we don't really even know about a lot of times because we're not educated about those things. So as I educated myself on how my body worked and all of its amazing processes, I also became really interested in like physiological birth again, like it's re-sparked my interest in that interest? and my passion for yeah. that. So I kind of was like, well, my body's set up to do all these amazing things. Why don't I let it do that? And if I do get pregnant again, I think I do want to try to have a back and let my body do what it's supposed to do. That kind of sparked my interest back into like the back and the physiological birth. So I got pregnant again in, I guess it was September of 2023 three oh it's 2023 now right mm-hmm. <laughs> no yeah. 2020 so it was 2022 i got pregnant again with the first time trying because awesome. i had used these methods that i had learned to actually know like hey i'm fertile on these days unfortunately that pregnancy did end in a miscarriage mm-hmm. um so we miscarried that baby in november around this time of year and so that was also like crushing But luckily, we started trying again in January. And again, right away, first time we tried, we got pregnant again with my son, Arthur, who luckily is here with us today. Um, So we got pregnant with him in January of 2023. And that was a pretty scary first trimester because I was definitely worried like about miscarriage and things of that nature. But as soon as we got pregnant with him, I started listening to the VBAC link. I also just started to think about, because you guys talk about it all the time, finding like a provider that's friendly to VBAC, like truly friendly. Yes. And <laughs> based on my experience with my OB that I was with, I felt like they were tolerant of VBAC, but not necessarily supportful and supportive. supportive. Mm-hmm. And I figured with her, I went to 41 weeks and I hadn't experienced a single contraction. Like... I think they would have been like, well, if you don't go into labor by thirty-nine weeks, you know, it's going to be a repeat cesarean. Yeah. So I wanted to look for other options, and one of my friends had had a wonderful home birth for her second child, and yeah. she recommended Kelly Jenkins, who's Blue Ridge Birth, and uh, she and where are you?
0: You're where? Like what
1: city? I'm in Winchester, Virginia, and okay. she works in, like, all all kind of throughout, Win- like, the, the surrounding area. So, like, okay. Northern Virginia area. And so, we called her, I called her around seven weeks. I was like, I know it's kind of early. And she was like, no, this is perfect timing because I'm already almost full for October, which is when I was due. And she was just really great about, like, going through all of, like, kind of the fears and concerns we set- had as VBAC parents going into like a home birth and she just made us feel like so comfortable and she was just really thoughtful with all of our questions and had like a lot of stats and evidence and just really practical which is what I was looking for somebody who really was practical and knew their stuff but also wasn't necessarily a traditional OB Um, Mm -hmm. so we ended up signing on with her for our care So she would come to our house, you know, a normal time that an OB would come and spend like a whole hour with us and just answer all our questions, which was awesome. And, um, she really didn't treat it any, like, I never felt like, oh, well, like you're a V-back, so you're like a huge risk. Like everything was just supportive and always giving us all the evidence for all the choices we had to make all along the way. I also did yoga throughout this pregnancy i immediately like downloaded like the spinning babies yoga thing mm-hmm. we watched like the spinning babies yoga class or the parent class for spinning babies because i was trying to do everything not to have a breech baby
0: <laughs> yes
1: i went to the chiropractor a lot and yeah i just tried to do everything with my posture and all of these things to make sure, like this baby, I've, it's not going to be breached. That's that was like my biggest fear. And he never was breached, so that wasn't the problem. But we also took a Bradley class, and I have mixed feelings about Bradley, especially as a repeat cesarean parent. Yeah. Um. I I think Bradley's really great, but I will stand on a soapbox just for a minute and say I also think Bradley's pretty dated and mm. somewhat unfair to parents because it really does villainize any kind of drug or anything that sometimes Mm -hmm. you have to do things for the safety of your child and i feel like it really villainizes using a lot of medical tools that sometimes you truly need
0: that are necessary Um, interesting yeah, yeah
1: yeah so luckily we had our a great doula who taught our bradley class it was bethany bagnell and she definitely kind of gave it her own spin and kind of i feel like was more open-minded whereas if you read the bradley book i feel like he's very like stringent and Mm. just kind of i just feel like it's some of the things he promotes are a little bit outdated in my opinion but i really liked her so it was a very informative class and so we felt really prepared going into the birth
0: I'm going to take a quick break from our amazing episode today to continue talking about preparing for a VBAC. I mentioned Needed earlier and I just wanted to expand on why I suggest them. They offer radically better nutrition products. They offer the most comprehensive prenatal that's available in both a delicious tasting vanilla powder and in capsule form. And don't just take my word for it. The women in our VBAC community have fallen in love with their products too, and are noticing a difference in their energy, digestion, and their mood. Just like we talk about making sure your provider is VBAC supportive or not, I suggest you do the same with your prenatals. Here's the deal, 95% of women in the prenatal stages have nutrient deficiencies. Most prenatal vitamins include the bare minimum nutrition based on outdated guidelines and stale research. We deserve to thrive, not just survive. Needed offers radically better nutrition products, education, and advocacy rooted in clinical research and practitioner validation. Their products are third-party tested and backed by clinical insights from over 4,000 practitioners. They are thoughtful about every ingredient using exactly what is needed in bioavailable forms. And this is important because you and your baby deserve the best. If you are not already one of the hundreds of women in our women of strength community using Needed as your prenatal, consider switching to Needed. Get 20% off your order by using VBAC20 at checkout. You can visit that at thisisneeded.com and use code VBAC20 at checkout.
1: We really didn't have any complications until week I guess it was like 34 or it was 35. Kelly came to our house to do our, you know, normal checkup and the baby's heartbeat was really fast. She called oh, it tacky, like tacky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So she was really concerned about that. And so we actually did go to the hospital to get an NST and they were pretty rude to us at the hospital They were kind of like why are you guys here i don't understand why you're here and we were like well you know our midwife checking up (laughs) yeah you know the heartbeat was really high and i don't know they just weren't very um kind to us while we were there but anyways we ended up they ended up not giving us the test that she asked them for she wanted them to do an ultrasound and an nst and they wouldn't they refused to do the ultrasound so we ended up having to drive up to Loudon to get the ultrasound and everything was fine. He, his heart rate had like settled back down and he looked fine. He was head down. So we are happy about that. But that was like our only little scare that we had. The other thing that was like a little bit of a complication, but not I mean, not a complication, but just something that happens is we did test positive for GBS. Mm -hmm. And so that was not a big deal. We could get the antibiotics at home. So it didn't like preclude us from having a home birth or anything. But uh, we did research a lot about that because we kind of wanted to avoid antibiotics. So we did a lot of research to kind of decide what the best decision was for us of whether we wanted to do those antibiotics or not. And we Mm kind of decided we were just going to play it by ear, kind of based off of, like, how soon did my water break and, you know, different things.
0: Yeah, all of those things are really good things to take into consideration. Yeah, exactly. And
1: my urine was clear for GBS. Mm -hmm. It was just the swab. So that was, like, another good indicator that it it might be okay. Um, And then... Yeah, we were just going to kind of wait and see. I also went on a really stringent diet. Like I cut out like white foods and like um, a lot of the things that are shown to feed GBS. And then I added in a lot of like fermented foods and probiotics and stuff like that. Awesome. So those were really the only two like little bumps in the road. The whole pregnancy, every time she would palpate me, which would be like a full like belly map, by the way. When the OB would touch my belly, it would be for like 10 seconds. Like she would actually, Kelly would actually go in and she would completely like map out my belly and be like, here's, I can feel his neck here and his butt. And every time she did that, she would be like, he's in great position. He's like in perfect position. So we were really hopeful going into things. Of course, he did go over like the due date, but I kind of expected that because Imogene did the same thing. The difference with him was I had a lot of Braxton Hicks and I did actually have a few days um, where I had like some prodromal labor or some mm-hmm. episodes that I was like, maybe this is labor. And then it kind of just fizzled out. So I was, I, he went to 41 weeks and I was starting to get a little nervous that we might have to induce and I really didn't want to do that. So the day that he was 41 weeks, I started feeling contractions like every 10 minutes throughout the day and i was at work and i was just kind of breathing through them they weren't painful but i was definitely like okay these are these are kind of timeable like every 10 minutes or so and so right after work i got together with some of my work friends and we went for like a really nice hilly three-mile walk (laughs) and sure enough by the time i got home from that i was feeling contractions become stronger and um, closer together. They weren't painful yet. But around the time that I was cooking dinner, I went upstairs and I went to the bathroom and I had like blood all over my toilet paper. And I was like, okay, that's a good sign. Like maybe I am in labor. Maybe this is finally it. Because we'd had a few episodes and we'd been trying all the things to kind of get things going. So I told my husband like maybe, you know, things are really happening. So I texted my midwife and she just told me like... Go to bed early tonight after you put your daughter down go to bed and see if you can get some rest because it sounds like you know this might be it so try to get some rest so i got my daughter down and tried to lay down probably around like she went to bed around like eight and i tried to lay down around like 8 30 and as i was laying in bed like i just couldn't get comfortable and what it felt like to me was gas pains so mm-hmm. I had always heard period cramps, but I was feeling like very strong gas pains. And I was t- told my husband, like, maybe I just have gas. And he was like, your gas doesn't come in waves like that. Like, you're I think you're having contractions. <laughs> and I was those like, don't I don't come know. In waves. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, you're having contractions. I think you're really having contractions. So he started to to time those. And they were they were coming like, you know, every five to seven minutes and it was too uncomfortable for me to stay in bed. So I was like, well, let's go ahead and go into the basement. We have a nice finished basement and we are going to berth down there like that's where we were going to set up the pool. And I was like, you can get the tub set up and, you know, I can kind of pace around and we'll make sure we don't wake up Imogene, which is my daughter. So we came down into the basement around like probably 10 o'clock when we came down here and pretty much as soon as we got into the basement my contractions became strong enough that i wasn't really feeling like i could talk through them anymore i was kind of leaning over the ball and breathing and my dog maggie was like right beside me like her face is like right next to mine like the whole time and she was kind of starting to to distract me so i was like let's call my dad to come get the dog and i was like i think this is really happening so we we kind of called everyone we called kelly and we called my mom and my sister who were gonna help and attend the birth and everybody just kind of started rolling in so my dad came and got the dog my mom and sister came and then kelly was coming around midnight And by the time Kelly got there, I was definitely like, Rick was already like helping me out with counter pressure because my contractions were so strong in my back. Everything was in Mm -hmm. my back, like not in my abdomen at all. And I remember in the back of my head, I was like, man, I remember that means position, like positions probably not. It's probably not what it should be. So kelly on the phone had told me try to do some of the mile circuit so i had been kind of working through that a little bit when she showed up and when she showed up i was on the bed kind of in the head down position with the butt up which is like part of the mile circuit and my water broke Mm -hmm.
2: so my water
1: broke like right around midnight when she arrived and that was really cool for me because i had not gotten to experience that with imogene so that feeling was like really I'm like, it's still something that I like think of fondly because I never got any of that with my first daughter. Yeah. Um. So Kelly was like, you know, just so you know, your contractions might pick up now because your water's broken. And I was like, okay. And they definitely, definitely did pick up. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I feel like I almost didn't even go through that early labor stage. I feel like I kind of went straight into like that active, like, you've got to focus, you've got to breathe. Like my husband had to be right there with me with the counter pressure. Things were pretty strong and they were tolerable and I was excited. So I wasn't like, oh, this is really painful. I was like, oh my gosh, like it's, it's happening. Like this is all happening. Mm-hmm. So that really, I think helped with the pain tolerance of just, I was excited for it. Mm-hmm. Um But for most of that labor, part of labor, I was kind of leaning over the bed or the couch and my sister, I would hold her hands and kind of look at her and my husband would be behind me with the counter pressure and they were getting the tub all going and everything. And then Kelly was like, do you want me to check you? And so I I let her check me, but I told her not to tell me how dilated I was. So she checked me and she was like, well, he's really, really, really low. Like I can already feel his head. And you're almost completely effaced, so that's good. And so she didn't tell me how dilated I was, but I was like, okay, he's low, I'm effaced, like, things are sounding good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the the nurse got there, and we had to decide if we wanted to start the antibiotics for the GBS, and my water had broken, so I was kind of like, um, I don't know, let's see, I, I so then I asked Kelly, can you just tell me how dilated I was so I can kind of get a sense of, like, how much time mm-hmm. we have and she said i was only at a one so i was kind of disappointed by that but i was like i haven't been laboring that long i'm like i know that dilation can come really quickly like it's not the only thing and i'm a face and he's low so i didn't let it get me down but we did decide to go ahead and run the antibiotics so she hooked me up with those and i was able to still be in the tub and everything she just kind of covered it with like a dressing like a plastic so that i could be in the tub And I did get in the tub at that point, uh, probably I got in the tub probably around a little after midnight. I don't know the exact time frame, but the tub was nice. But my husband hates pool, uh, hates uh, baths. And so at first he was like, I'm not going to get in the tub with you. (laughs) And I was like, "Okay, well, I need your counter pressure. So buddy you're going so to have to get in. So I went through a few contractions in the tub without him in there with me and to do like the counter pressure I would just like press my butt like as hard as I could against the bottom of the tub. Uh-huh. But I was like this is not cutting it. I was like you're going to swim with me now like get in. So he did. He got in. He's kind of a germaphobe which is part of his not liking tubs thing. Okay. Yeah. But Fair. he got in with me and he He did what he needed to do, so he was awesome. Basically, I would just like press against, like I was like lined up with his pelvis, and I would just like press my button to him as hard as I could, because every (laughs) contraction felt like my butt would like kind of fly apart if I didn't have somebody like holding it together.
0: I can totally relate. (laughs) I was in labor, and I was like, "He's gonna come out my butt!" And everyone's like, "No, he's not." I'm like, "Yes, he is." Yes, posterior
1: babies. Yep. It just felt like, yeah, my butt would just fly apart. Like I thought that would happen if no one held it together. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) that was how I was like getting through each contraction. So I labored in the tub for a while and then I had to use the bathroom. So they were like, you should labor on the toilet for a while. Like people love laboring on the toilet. So I was like, all right. I did not like station. I did not like laboring on the toilet. I think I just really needed my husband's body. Like I don't know why I just like it was I needed to be pressed against him in some form or another. Like he was definitely kind of my rock through that whole thing. And he was really good. He read like the birth partner book and everything. Mm-hmm. He, he really was with me 100% of the way, which is another reason I'm so thankful that I got to labor this time because yeah. the bonding between the two of us going through that together was mm-hmm. just something that. I could never replace, you know, it was just yeah. amazing. So, so we kind of went back and forth between the tub and the bed and doing different things, and everything was going well. And I remember asking people like what time it was a few times, and I was like, man, the night's like really going by quickly. And like, I feel like I'm laboring really hard, but I'm managing, and everything was going well. Um, Mm -hmm. so we labored like that all through the night until my daughter woke up around seven o'clock in the morning. And, um, she, I wanted to say goodbye to her before she went off to school to daycare. And so I waited for a contraction to end because I was like, I don't want her to come down here while I'm acting crazy. So when the contraction ended, I was called up to my mom and was like, bring down Imogene. And she was so cute. She was like, You're swimming? You're in the pool? Like, what's happening? (laughs) And I was like, Yeah, your brother's coming. Like, Kelly's here. And she was really excited that Kelly was there because, you know, she got to know her throughout the pregnancy. So she was all excited and she gave us a kiss. And we told her, Probably when we pick you up from daycare, like, your brother will be here. So it was really cute. And then my mom kind of took her, she took her to breakfast and was going to take her to daycare. Basically, as soon as she left, it was just like, that was my permission to just make as much noise as possible. Let it go. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. So and my contractions were starting to be like really, really strong. Like I was starting to feel kind of pushy and I was just kind of having to like basically roar through them like I was like really fighting it. Like I was sounding angry. Like I was kind of like roaring through them with like sort of gritted teeth, which I know is the opposite. You're not supposed to grit your teeth. You're supposed to let your jaw be loose and all that. But I was definitely roaring through those contractions. So at that point, Kelly was kind of like, look, it seems like you might be getting kind of close. Let's check you again and and see what's going on. So the intensity of where I was and what I was doing to get through the contractions, I was really expecting and hoping that she was going to say I was maybe a 9 or a Mm 10. And she told me later, she was fully expecting to tell me, you're a 9 or a 10. But when she checked me, I was only a (laughs) 4. And... That was kind of crushing to me, um, but I was like, okay. So, actually, I told her not to tell me at first. I was like, don't tell me, again, don't tell me unless it's time to push. I was like, unless it's time to push, don't tell me. Not tell so, me. Yeah. She, she said, okay, it's not time to push. And the way that she said it, I was like, something's weird, something's wrong. And then she was like, I really need you to relax, so... You know, we're not going to get back in the tub. I want you to lay on the bed. I want you to be in side-lying position. Like, she kind of put me in some, like, very specific positions. And she was like, I just, I really need you to rest and relax. And I was kind of like, okay, something's weird. So I mm. just asked her. I was like, what am I at? And she was like, you're only out of four. And I was like, what? I've been laboring, like, all night, like, intense. Yeah. And she was like, and the baby's head is kind of already trying to come through and his head at the top is starting to swell a
0: little bit which yeah, she called a I cap, it. cap it mm-hmm. yeah
1: and she was like so you know he's good like his heart rate's good your heart rate's good like i'm not worried but we do have to keep an eye on that so she was like i'm going to have you go through like some different phases of the mile circuit to see if we can kind of change his position a little bit get him off your off your cervix a little bit and things like that so Yeah. I was not able to get those really strong counter pressure that I needed from Rick in that sideline position. So I was like, let's get some music going. I need some kind of distraction. And I'm a singer. I love to sing and I play music and stuff. So we put on like our wedding playlist and we were just both lying on the bed. I had him get my comb for me so I could squeeze it. And I was just like singing through our wedding songs and. That was actually a really beautiful part of the labor for me, us sitting there and kind of singing through our songs. And yeah. it was, it was kind of a chance to just be quiet and, and think about things. And I just kept saying in my head, like, okay, like dilate, D- dilate, you're going to dilate, yeah. you know, and thinking that yeah. over and over again. So she had me, you know, do 30 minutes in each of these kind of different positions. And, the one with the head down and the butt up was super uncomfortable. I think cuz my neck was hurting. So I was like so ready for that to be over. And so after we kind of went through those, she was like, "Okay, let's get you up and get you moving again." This was probably a- at least an hour later that she was like, "Let's get you up off the bed and we'll we'll just move around." So Rick and I kind of danced around and every time a Mm -hmm. contraction hit, I would just like squat down really low (laughs) and he would like kind of squat down and like hold me in a chair almost and just hold on to me. And then we would kind of sway and dance. Oh, cute. Yeah, it was really special. And we did that for probably another half hour. And then it was time for me to get like another round of the IV, which I had been getting every, I guess, four hours is what that generally is. So, Kelly was like, how about we do another round of the antibiotics and then I'll check you again because it will have been about like two hours more or so and we'll see if you've progressed and like what's going on. And at this point, I was starting to feel a little discouraged and I remember I was sitting on the birth ball and Bethany, the nurse, was giving me the, the antibiotics And i just remember looking at rick and i was like i am trying like so hard like i'm and i was kind of tearful and i was like i am trying so hard and like i i know that i'm a good mom and he was like you're the best mom and he was like crying and i was crying and he was like everything like we're gonna get through this and we're gonna do like what we need to do and like throughout my whole pregnancy i had kind of told him like if i don't get a v-back like, it's going to be so hard for me. It's going to be like really crushing for me. And his perspective on it the whole time was always like, look, we're going to make the best decisions possible with the information we have. And he's like, hopefully that is you getting a V back. But if it's not, it's because we we had to move to the next plan because it was the best decision. So he was kind of like, look, that's still the same thing. Like we're going to just make the best decisions with the information we have. And like, you're a great mom and you're doing a great job. And I'm so proud of you. And so that was just, you know, really special. And we kind of were just going through the emotions. And so after we got the antibiotics, she checked me again I want to say this was around like 10 o'clock in the morning. And she was like, Becca, like you're still a four. Mm. And she said, and now your cervix is swelling. Mm. And so she said, look, you know, you're not in danger at this point. The baby's not in danger. Like this isn't an emergency, but I can't tell you that if you keep going for a few more hours, you're going to have your baby here. Like, I don't know. Like she was like, chances are your cervix will continue to swell you've also been in labor for like a long time you're getting Mm -hmm. tired and so she just kind of started to talk to us about hospital transfer and she was like you know maybe if we go to the hospital and you get an epidural and you can relax and maybe we can try some different positions with the epidural and get the baby to kind of come off the cervix some. And so we started talking about it and I remember I was going through a contraction on the edge of the bed and I had my arms up on the bed and I was just like sobbing and I was like I tried so hard like I'm trying so hard and I but I remember as soon as like I found out I was still just at a four and that my cervix was swelling it is very mental because my tolerance of the contractions my pain tolerance just went down like yeah all of a sudden they just felt so much more painful because I was like going from being like well You know maybe i'll meet my baby any second to like who knows like who knows what's gonna starting to feel the defeat
0: and the doubt exactly yeah
1: so we kind of talked about it and we were like well we could labor here for who knows how long and still need to transfer Mm -hmm. or we could go ahead and transfer and like try something try something new and so we we made the decision to transfer And luckily I only live like five minutes away from the hospital. So it wasn't like a super long process to do that. But, and we already had our hospital bag packed. This time I was like ready with that. I had my hospital bag packed. I had my C-section plan just in case (laughs) I had my hospital plan just in case. So I at least felt like ready to go. And nobody said you have to transfer. You know, it was our decision. Like we felt like we had the information and we made the Mm -hmm. decision together. Yeah, that part of going to the hospital. I remember just wishing like I wish I could just turn these contractions off now because now like getting in the car not having the counter pressure all that was probably and the funny thing was we walked out onto our like patio and i like had a contraction like on the side of my patio and of course my neighbors drive by and roll down their window (laughs) and
0: are like how's it going are you okay how's it going yeah yeah i was like (laughs) oh my
1: gosh like and i love these neighbors they're amazing but i was kind of like this is
0: not what i want
1: to be doing um so but we made it to the hospital We got to triage, you know, they strapped me all up. I was laying flat on the back in the most uncomfortable position, but basically we got through triage and everything from the time I got to the hospital to the time I got the epidural was probably still like another hour and a half of labor at least. So that was really tough, but Mm
0: -hmm.
1: we made it there. We got there. We got finally got the epidural placed. I would say it was around noon when I finally got the epidural placed. And I will tell you, like, I'm all about the natural labor. And if somebody would have told me you'll have to labor 10 more hours, but you're going to push your baby out and everything's going to be fine. I would have found it within myself to do that.
0: Yeah. But
1: I will still say that epidural felt so freaking good. (laughs) It was just, like, a warm wave of, like, warm, tingly hug. Like, as soon as I got the epidural, all the pain just kind of melted away. And I was like, this is where we are. So I might as well enjoy this for what it is and um, take this relief. So, yeah, the other thing was the doctor, he was, I would say, V-back tolerant, for sure. The doctor Mm -hmm. on call, he kind of came in and gave us a big spiel about TOLAC and did we know the risks? And he was kind of like, look, you can try to, you can try for a V-back, but if anything goes wrong, we're not going to try to fix it. It's just going to be a C-section, like, because because you know we're just not we're gonna we're gonna play it safe and i was like okay so kind of as soon as and i didn't have any problems with him like he was a nice guy and everything but as soon as he kind of said that i was like i have a feeling this is gonna be a c-section like i I Mm. think it's just gonna be a c-section but the nurse was very great she put me with the peanut ball and she moved me around into some different positions to try to get him to back off my cervix um, when they checked me again, by the way, I was still a four, even after that time. So I labored with the epidural for about two more hours to the point where I was kind of like, I'm getting kind of bored, like, and kind of antsy. Like, I sort of want to know what's going to happen. Like, what's the plan at this point? Mm-hmm. So, At about two hours in, the doctor came back in and he checked me again. And I was, he said, I could push you to a five, but you're still basically a four. Mm. And he said, your cervix is very swollen. And he said, I could give you like Benadryl or something like that for the cervix to come down. And he was Mm -hmm. like, but I really don't like to do that because at this point, like whatever is happening this while your cervix is a position thing. It's, It's a mechanical positional thing and also the epidural slowed my contractions way down so they went from being like three minutes apart to being like 10 to 12 minutes apart and he was like i'd have to probably give you pitocin to get this going again and he was like i'm not comfortable doing that Hmm. and so he basically said you know i recommend a c-section and that's basically your option so i was like okay well can you give us a few minutes to talk it over and he did he left the room and my midwife Kelly was still there. She she stayed on the whole time as my doula and she basically was like, you know, I do understand what he's saying. She was like, I kinda wish he would have told you that earlier and not made you wait for uh, two hours. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. But she was like, I I agree. Like it probably is positional and okay. there's probably not a ton we can do. Oh, another thing he had said was the baby was having some D cells after mm-hmm. um after my contractions. So he was like you know, that can show us the baby's in a little bit of a distress. Mm -hmm. And she was kind of like, you know, I I understand what he's saying, and I'm not sure that I would give you any other advice. Like, I don't, I'm not sure that I would tell you anything different. Mm -hmm. So my husband and I kind of talked it over and we were like, let's just meet our baby. Like, let's just meet our baby now. And so we had them kind of go over our C-section plan and of course, they weren't willing to do most of the things that we kind of had on that plan. They didn't have the clear drapes. They There was just a lot of things that they weren't willing to do, but they did agree that like the nurse could take pictures of the surgery for us, which was something I didn't have with my daughter. Which is um, nice. Yeah, so she took pictures for me, and that's pretty much the only thing I think was really different was that she kind of took pictures of everything that happened. Um, yeah. so around four o'clock we can send them to the C-section and then, yeah, they kind of just prep me. My sister took a picture of me giving a thumbs up, like getting ready to go. She took a picture of my husband and his whole like suit and everything. And I was like, okay, let's just, let's just do this thing and get our baby now. Yeah. So I did shed some tears while they were rolling me into the OR and I, and I remember the anesthesiologist well-meaning. She was kind of like, what you're afraid of a C-section? Like you've already done this. And I know she was trying to be like, there's nothing to be scared of, but I was kind of like, and I even said to her, I'm not scared. That's not why I'm crying. And she was like, well, what's wrong? And I was like, I'm disappointed. Like I wanted, yeah. This is what I'm for. And so that was a little bit like, okay, come on. Like you, empathize a little bit here there's lots of reasons why someone could be crying going into this but yeah um long story short you know it was the c-section all went to plan but as soon as they did pull him out they did say he was op his he was sunny side up and Mm -hmm. then they also said and he's nine pounds so he yeah. was pretty big i mean i could have pushed him out for sure
0: yeah. um
1: but he on the bigger side yeah but he was in sort of a poor position which could be why um i had the swelling and everything of the cervix but he came out he was comf- really really healthy and we got once we got to the recovery room he nursed right away he was definitely like a hungry little boy right from the beginning, so that was awesome. <laughs> he latched right on and nursed and everything. Um, and
0: yeah, that's pretty much the story. You know, it's it's so interesting how like we we have these things, we go through all of these things, and then we end sometimes in the way we didn't want.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: right? Yeah. And I I was, I've been there too, not nearly as intense as you. <laughs> you <laughs> went through a lot. You yeah. know, I just had an unsupported provider from the get-go yeah. who, you know, I ended up walking down to the OR in general, but, you know, we have these experiences, but we still grow from them.
1: Absolutely.
0: What? I mean, I, I heard little like nuggets within your story, like bonding with your husband, like having, facing your body, like working through it, experiencing labor, you know, having support. Um, But is there, are there any other things that you would tell, uh, you know, our women of strength, our listeners, you know, especially if something doesn't happen exactly as planned?
1: Yeah, there are a couple different things. The first one was all throughout when I was prepping for labor in particular, especially for dealing with pain, the word that kept coming up and coming up was surrender. And I kept thinking, like, surrender to the contraction, like, surrender to the sensation. Like, I always applied that very specifically to labor and, like, labor pains. But, like, I Mm -hmm. want people to take the step further and just be like, surrender to your birth however it's going to happen. Because even if you do everything right and you do all of the steps, like, there are no guarantees in birth that you're going to have the outcome that you wanted. And even if you have a good outcome, most likely it's not gonna, there's gonna be something about it that was unexpected or wasn't perfect. So like, just try to surrender to the whole experience and Mm -hmm. yeah, of course, surrender to the contractions, surrender to the labor, but like surrender to the whole experience and the fact that you can't control it. And mm -hmm. that doesn't mean you're doing anything wrong. Yeah. Like, and that's the other thing, like. I hear it a lot in VBAC, and I understand why people use this word, but I feel a little bit, I guess I would just say use some caution in using it. A lot of people label their VBAC as a redemption or redemptive, and that's, -hmm. that's, you own whatever experience you have, and I'm sure it is Mm -hmm. redemptive, but I guess what I would say is we don't need to redeem ourselves. Mm. there is nothing we did wrong that we have to have redemption for can the experience feel redemptive absolutely but i don't want women to then apply them that to themselves like i need redemption because i failed at something you are making the best decision for yourself and your child with the information that you have in that moment and that is what parenting is all about like You can't control anything when you become a parent, either. (laughs) And there's always gonna be these little decisions that you have to make that are unexpected or huge decisions. And I think that was the difference between this C-section for me and the last one, was the last one I didn't feel like I had a choice. Mm. And with this one, every step of the way, I was given choices by my midwife, with my husband. We had time to talk through things. We had time to think through things. And we made the choices that we felt like were the best choices in the moment. So those are the two things I would really say is surrender to your whole experience because you have no idea what it's going to bring. And you don't need redemption because you are already being the best mom that you can possibly be or the best birthing parent that you can possibly be just by being in the moment and making those good decisions with the information that you have.
0: I love that so much. I love that so much. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Um,
0: And I want to kind of dial into that, you know, main thing, you know, the swelling of the cervix, the Mm -hmm. stalling of this, the stalling of this labor and I'm putting quotes, right. But like it does happen and sometimes we can, despite all of our efforts, it doesn't change. And sometimes it does change But I wanted to kind of talk about swelling, swelling of the cervix and what that really means and what kind of signs we can like look out for to know that that we've maybe got a baby in a wonky position that could cause swollen cervix and then what we could do. And I mean, just like you were talking about, we were talking about like you're like, I just needed my husband to hold my butt together. <laughs> like, <laughs> but like that is a sign if we are like mm-hmm. having all back or butt labor, right? That could mean a sign a baby's in an OP or occiput posterior position. And that doesn't always cause a swollen cervix or a delay or stall in labor or anything like that but it can. Um, Another position is called asynclitic. And that's where the Mm -hmm. head is kind of tipped to the side a little bit. And we're kind of, we're not coming down with a nice tucked chin position into the pelvis. And then another one is a deflexed or um, like the head is, the chin is extended or we're in like that military position. Or I've also seen it sometimes in a transverse It's like a transverse asynclitic. I don't even know exactly what that one is, where it's like the head is back, the chin is up, and we're in an asynclitic position. We're not just like looking straight up. So those are positions that may mean our babies are in a less ideal position, and some of the things are a prodromal labor beforehand, Mm. and you had mentioned that, like, you know, maybe that means sometimes there's a, a baby that needs help getting in a different position, Or a back labor or butt labor, a coupling pattern where there's like two contractions and then there's like a big break and then there's like a big strong one. Meaning like our body's like trying to get that baby to rotate.
1: I did have really long contractions and I had a few double peak. I did have some double peaks, so that makes sense to me.
0: Yes, yes. So I call them coupling contractions where that's where they can do. And it's like our body's brilliant. It's trying to rotate these babies and work with us. But sometimes it's it's more difficult. And sometimes we have to help our body by rotating and moving and working with the pelvis and things like this. But so so some of the things that we can do is it sounds really weird, but and I saw this from a nurse years ago and I was like, What? <laughs> what is she doing? And then I was like, oh my gosh, it worked. So we had kind of like a an interior lip where it was like swelling on the one side. And she said, I want you to get in the biggest like like fetal position the that you can, like the tightest fetal position. And so we like, we're holding her even like around, imagine a nine month belly, right? Yeah. Like, it's a little difficult to wrap ourselves around it, but we brought knees all the way up to her chest, wrap, had her wrap around her knees like this. And she laid there and we had to do a lot of counter pressure yeah, because it was imagine. not a comfortable position and we did five contractions like that and and it was hard and but she said i want to do it i want i'll i want to do it anyway so we got into it did lots of counter pressure and then we did um we really did uh i don't even know what you want to call it but we call it thrown where you sit up and you're like you know like knee feet to feet knees out anyway next contraction she got a check after that contraction she got a check and lip was gone So that was something that was kind of cool that I had never heard of. And I had been a for years and I saw this and I was like, oh, okay. And like, I haven't really seen anyone do that. Like,
1: yeah, I haven't, I read a lot of the books and I didn't see that anywhere.
0: (laughs) Never saw it anywhere. But yeah, this, this nurse here in Utah, she was like, I know just the trick. And (laughs) she, and she did it. And I was like, whoa, okay. So yeah. And then some people will say like ice, but like sometimes ice, sometimes there's a, uh, like circulation issue. And sometimes ice can actually stop circulation. So mm. it's, sometimes ice isn't the best, but then um, Arnica or Benadryl, you mentioned Benadryl that they wouldn't give you, but they mentioned it. Yeah. Um, or I don't even know how to say the word. It's actually something that I just was talking to a labor and delivery nurse in our community who wants a back. It's like Simifigia. Mm. I don't even know, actually, you guys. I don't even know how to pronounce it. But those um, I've seen like uh arnica out of hospital midwives use and things like that or getting into a a tub like sometimes that can or sometimes an epidural because it can offer relaxation but then not always and then yeah just moving moving and working with position but then sometimes despite all of our efforts just like cute rebecca here it doesn't something for whatever reason it doesn't change right yeah. Um, and so that's when we have to surrender on our whole experience and make the choices that's best for us at that point. And if that's a repeat cesarean, that's a repeat cesarean, right? And re- repeat cesareans can also be healing.
1: Yeah. And I would say this was because I definitely felt totally different about the experience afterwards. And I I still mourned it, of course. Like, Yeah. And you, like... You will. But I felt much more empowered and I got so much out of just going through the labor process that I wouldn't give it up for the world. So it it still was healing for me, for sure.
0: I love that. Well, thank you so much for sharing your stories with us and being here with us today and talking about swollen cervix. Yeah, and I hope people will actually click on this. I know when
1: I was preparing for a VBAC, I kind of am guilty of being like, oh, repeat cesarean, I don't want to listen to that one. I know, Um, yeah. So again, like hopefully people will just be open because you never know what your story is or maybe you'll come back and find it after you've had a repeat cesarean and feel like proud of yourself for everything that you did because I think hearing these stories after you've had a repeat cesarean could be really helpful, so.
0: Absolutely. Just like they're helpful after having a cesarean, preparing for a VBAC, after having a cesarean, prepping for a VBAC, having a repeat cesarean, these stories can be very healing and validating as well. And, you know, these stories, I know that there are so many people out there that they won't click or they'll avoid them because they don't want to even think or go there. But a lot of these stories with repeat cesareans actually offer tools that can help heal if that does happen exactly. and ways that you can prepare for if that does happen because it's it's any for us it doesn't even matter if you've had us i mean obviously look at all of us there's hundreds of us thousands of us hundreds and thousands of us mm-hmm. who've had what an unexpected cesarean we weren't planning on that no. and so preparing before for all outcomes is so powerful
1: definitely Definitely yeah. have that backup plan because I didn't have, have that one at plan. all for my first and I was really glad I had it for my second.
0: Yes. Oh, well, thank you again so much for being here with us today and congratulations on your baby.
1: Thank you. Thanks for hearing my story. And I love what you do. And I think it's really, really important. So thank you.
0: Thank you.
2: Would you like to be a guest on the podcast? Head over to the vbacklink.com dot com slash share to submit your story. For information on all things VBAC, including online and in-person VBAC classes, the VBAC blog, the worldwide database for VBAC doulas, and more, head over to thevbaclink.com. Congratulations on starting your journey of learning and discovery with the VBAC link.